0: Good morning, everyone. The reading today is taken from Luke nine, eighteen to 26. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah. And others, that one of the old prophets has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, And be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his daily cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. And when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Here ends today's reading.
1: and pray with me heavenly father we truly are grateful for the gift of your word and for the opportunity to study it and to think about it and 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 try and understand it more deeply this morning we ask that you would give us eyes to see ears to hear and even minds to understand um, your word this morning the passage that we will look at. I ask that we will see what you want us to see. I ask that that you will, yes, you will help us to understand the Bible better, uh, to understand you better, but that it might not be empty knowledge. Uh, Please use it instead to change us, to change our motivations because of the truths contained in your word. Change us so that we are more honoring, more pleasing to you. We ask for your blessing on us this morning that the Holy Spirit might be at work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. It will be helpful to you if you have a Bible to have it open to Luke chapter 9, or, or if you have a phone that's um, with a Bible app on it. Before we get into our text though, um, I have a question for you. What would you give up for $300? Would you, would you go to sleep for a whole day? I'm sure all of the kids would take that option. But with the adults, it becomes a bit more iffy. Probably some of us would take that as a win-win situation. You get to sleep a whole day and you get $300. What, what about a week? Is there anyone... Probably, again, the kids would all say yes. Is there anyone who would go to sleep for an entire week say a sleep study in the city for some reason for $300 yep, one Etienne <laughs> a big hand up in the back um, what, what about what, what about a whole year what, how much money would it take you to agree for this massive sleep study, maybe they're preparing to send someone to Mars they need a, you'd go to sleep for an entire year how much money would that take 10000 Probably not. What about $100,000? 100, $100,000 for one year of just sleeping. You just go to sleep, you wake up, you're $100,000 richer. Um, that's really quite a tempting offer. <laughs> um, what, about, what, what about your little finger? Say there's a guy who, who wants to buy... He, he, he's missing his little finger, his big mafia guy, and he wants, he wants your little finger to, to put on his hand. Would you, would you sell that for uh, 10,000, 20,000? I reckon I might, I'd consider it at maybe 25. It's just my little finger. I've got four left. Um, what about like an eye? I reckon for me, the number for my eye is, I'd start considering it around 140,000. Because I've got another one, right? I can still see. That's a house deposit. I could, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got another one? (laughs) Here's the thing, the good things, things that we value, they're costly. Uh, They're not cheap. You're not going to part with something that you value unless you're giving something valuable in return. In in, in the case of an eye, a lot of money. Uh, And the same is true, like the Bible is clear, good things, they're costly, they don't come cheaply. And in our passage this morning that we're looking at in Luke chapter 9, um, Jesus makes quite, quite an outrageous, like a bold claim. He claims that, the, that He is the treasure worth giving up everything for. That He's not the treasure everyone was, or maybe even is today expecting. He's not, he's not what people were expecting, but that He is actually... The supreme treasure. He, Jesus, is the treasure worth pursuing above all else. Um, that's Jesus' claim. And that's what we'll be looking at this morning. We'll be looking at, at, at that and at, at some of the implications of that. So this morning, our passage, Luke chapter 9, verse 18 to 26. Um, and it's, it's quite an appropriate passage to kick off the month of Easter in which we celebrate um, Jesus' death and resurrection. We, we already began remembering Easter last week with that tremendous puppet show, which I, I really loved. But this passage also happens to be a really pivotal passage in the book of Luke because it's the first time in the book that someone confesses or recognizes that Jesus is not just a man or a prophet Or a priest. No, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. And it's also worth noting, just before our passage, we see that Jesus just done the miracle of feeding the five thousand men. Right? That's five thousand men, not including women or children. Right? With uh, five loaves and two fish. He just done this amazing miracle in the middle of the desert. There's no way that you can fake it. Um, And that's really important because this is the context for what occurs in our passage. This really lays the groundwork. Jesus has just done this amazing miracle. So we see, we see it happening in verse 18. Um, what we see is that Jesus is praying alone. So he's, he's left these, these massive crowds. Um, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he, and he asks them um, in verse 18, Who do the crowds say that I am? Right, this massive crowd, he's just fed them. Right? He's just made food out of five loaves and two fishes, fed more than 5,000 people. And then they answer and they say, uh, uh, John the Baptist, uh, but others say, uh, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has arisen. So there's, there's this kind of idea going around in the crowds that, that maybe Jesus is a reincarnated person. For some reason, that's that's what people are assuming in the crowds. Um, they can they can see that he's doing miracles; it's undeniable. He's he's a special individual, um, but they they know there's something funny going on. He, he's kind of otherworldly, and they can sense it. And their first guess, for some reason we don't know why, is reincarnation. Um, so then Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them. Well, what do you say? Who, who who do you say I am? And Peter answers, and he says uh, these uh, these really important words. And he says, in verse twenty, the Christ of God. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. Uh, the, uh, Messiah is just Hebrew for Christ. They're, they're actually the same word, and they have the same meaning. Uh, the closest English translation is the, the anointed one of God. Um, it carries the idea of the promised one, um, the chosen one. And and in the Bible, the Jews were waiting for the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one of God, to come save them. And we see, we see here that Peter's getting Finally, right? It's 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 a chapter nine. He's finally getting a bit of a fuller picture, a, a better, clearer picture, more HD picture, right? Instead of um, low resolution of who 4K, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, picture of who Jesus really is. He's not a man. He's not a pro- a prophet. He's not some reincarnated individual. He is the Christ, and Peter says it right. You, The Christ of God. And he's right. He's not wrong. Um, Jesus is and was the Christ of God. He's the Messiah, the Savior sent to save humanity. However, Peter doesn't yet have the full picture. He's got got part of the picture. He knows Jesus is the Christ. He understands now after all of these miracles, including the feeding of the 5,000 people, But everyone was expecting that the Christ or the the Messiah or the Savior would save them from their earthly problems. That's what they were expecting. In Jesus' day, they were expecting a Savior from the Roman Empire, from their earthly, their political enemies. And they, they thought that their biggest problem The biggest problem that they had was Rome, the Roman Empire. And that's what they thought Jesus had come to do, to lead them in glorious battle and to take over the world. And that that includes Peter. Peter. Peter's assuming this at this point. In his mind, that's what Christ means. That was their treasure. That was what they were expecting. At least that was the treasure that they wanted, not necessarily the treasure that they needed. They were correct that Jesus had come to save them, that he was the anointed one of God, the Christ or the Messiah, but they were incorrect in that he was going to be a political ruler that time when he came to earth, right in 0 AD. (laughs) They were expecting him to smash the Roman Empire, call down fire and lightning on high, on them, and that the Jewish nation would finally rise and rule the world, with him as their king. That was their expectation, and Jesus knows that that's what his his disciples are. Um, he knows that they're they're beginning to understand his identity. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. They don't yet fully understand what that means, and so we see in verse twenty one that he he actually in verse twenty one it says. He strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. Saying, in verse 22, The Son of Man, referring to Himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and by the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Jesus Jesus is saying, you're right. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ I am the anointed one, I am the saviour you have been expecting. But I have not come to free you from Rome or your other earthly problems. Not this time. And, and, and because they don't fully understand his mission, they're not supposed to go spreading it. They're not supposed to go spreading his identity because they don't understand fully his identity yet. Jesus came to save people from a problem, from a far bigger problem than some earthly oppressor, some some foreign government, some earthly pro- problem. Jesus didn't come to save that time the Jews from the Romans, and he didn't come away. He didn't come to take away your problems with your mother-in-law, and he didn't come so that you will. Uh, you will live as a rich, rich person in financial prosperity in a house like that one right there. (laughs) Jesus didn't come so that you would never experience sadness in your life. He didn't come to end all wars or end poverty. Not that time. He will come again and He will solve those problems. Francois will actually, in, in the Bible storytelling... Illuminate that a little bit more for us. He will come again. But that wasn't the purpose of his, of, of his first time on earth 2,000 years ago. Jesus came to solve a far bigger problem that, that faces us all. It's, it's so important that we realize the nature of Jesus as the Christ the Messiah and the Savior of us. When he came 2,000 years ago, he came primarily to war against and fight against and defeat sin and death. And the way that he would do that is by being rejected by the elders and by the chief priests and the scribes and by being killed and raised again on the third day. Paying the price for our sins. He's a bigger, more valuable treasure than the disciples and the other Jews were expecting or wanting. Jesus says, Your dreams are too small. He came to solve a bigger, a more pressing, more destructive problem that was facing both them and us today and our society. And you can imagine at this point, the disciples who their entire lives have been expecting a political Messiah and then they thought they were connected to him so they were going to be the most important officials in this new world kingdom. You can imagine them going, what? How, wh- how, are, you, how are you going to rule the world if, if you're being rejected by the leaders of our people and you're being killed? And then, and then to cap it all off, like you say you're going to be killed. I don't understand. But Jesus, um, Jesus gives a hint um, when he says that on the third day, in verse 22, he says on the third day he will be raised. He's predicting that he will come back to life. He will defeat sin. He will defeat death. Jesus, that, that was Jesus' primary purpose. He came to defeat sin and death, to save us from those, our biggest problems, not to save us from Rome, which was their problem, or from our Rome's. He came to die in our place and be raised to life. That's the treasure. Not earthly riches or an easy life, but salvation from sin and death. And then Jesus starts looking at the implications of his statement. that's explaining i'm not the messiah you are expecting i've actually come to die and be raised to death therefore in verse 23 um, he begins explaining and he says if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me jesus says If you are going to be my follower, then you will suffer just as I am going to suffer. The nature of my treasure is not earthly bliss. Jesus does not promise to save you from your Rome, whatever whatever your Rome is. He does not promise to give you earthly riches or romantic love. He didn't come to earth to solve all of the wars and poverty. Jesus may do some of those things. When Jesus was on earth, he was healing people left, right and center. God and Jesus is compassionate God. He's a healing God. But that was not the primary purpose. That was not Jesus' primary mission. The primary purpose was to come, to live, to die and to be raised again, thereby defeating sin and death. And His followers will also suffer. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to take up our cross. We wage war against sin, which is hard. We need to take up our cross um, daily and follow Jesus' example. And we may suffer persecution, just as Jesus suffered. Making war against sin is not an easy task. And it will be a hard fight that we will be involved in. And there's every chance that the world will reject us and scorn us and revile us and despise us for following Jesus, for having Him as our Lord and Savior, for saying, this is our treasure. Jesus is our treasure. We need to expect that. Jesus Jesus says... You are my follower, you will will suffer. It's part of the plan. The treasure is not to have a perfect life here on earth. The treasure is that our sins are forgiven, that we have eternal life with the promise of eternal joy. That we are free from enslavement to sin, which is so destructive to us. And then... The disciples are probably quite unsure, unsure about this. To, our whole lives, we've been expecting something, and you're outlining something different. So, um, so uh, Jesus keeps going and gives three reasons why this is a good thing. Why, despite not having the treasure that they wanted, or that maybe we want, right? Earthly, everything we want on earth. Earthly bliss. It's okay. Why the true treasure is worth any amount of earthly suffering. Why his disciples then and we who are his disciples today should take up our cross daily, making war against sin. Suffering persecution from the world. When they say bad things about us and when we lose friends. Three reasons why that's actually a good thing. Jesus isn't a masochist. He doesn't love causing pain to himself and to other people. It's not just for fun. Oh, ha ha, I'm just going to make you all suffer. No, Jesus has good reasons. And he explains some of them, including but not limited to. He explains some of them here. The first reason we see Jesus says in verse 24, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you lose your life for Jesus, then you have a guarantee that you will be looked after. The creator of the universe will undertake to look after you. But if you, if you try and protect your life, you say, it's too valuable for me to give it to you, to live my life serving you. You say, No, I don't think you are the treasure worth pursuing. I'm not willing to give up everything for you. Because serving Jesus is an all or nothing kind of endeavor. If you're going to follow Jesus, you go into it wholeheartedly. If you say, Not for me, too high of a price, you will lose your life. Secondly, we read in verse 25, Jesus says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? It's very similar to the first reason. Jesus is saying you may be able to go out into the world on your own and become the richest, most powerful, most successful, most beautiful person possible. But if you lose yourself, if you lose your soul, then it's all for nothing. Your life is short. My life is short. It's over in under a century for most of us. Jesus says, pursue me. I'm the treasure that will last. I'm the treasure that's worth pursuing. Nothing in in this world is worth having if you don't have me. That's Jesus' claim. Because if you don't have him, then you will lose your soul. You will lose yourself upon your death. And honestly, without Jesus' Your life on earth cannot give you much meaning. The richest, most powerful, most successful people commit suicide all the time. I was sad when when Avicii, who's a famous musician, at the top of his genre, um, he decided it was hopeless and ended his life. And and the guy who played Genie in Aladdin, Robin Williams, Williams. (laughs) and a hundred other other roles. So loved. Made so many people laugh. He decided that it was all worthless and pointless, and he ended it. He did not have Jesus, the treasure that satisfies your soul, the treasure that lasts, the treasure that saves your life and your soul. Indeed, in in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, that Solomon explores what it would be like to live apart from God. And he concludes at the very end of his exploration in in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, Vanity. Apart from God, all is vanity. It's pointless. And then we see the third reason that he gives us in, in, in verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words... Of Him will the Son of Man be ashamed when He comes in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. That's it. That's the third reason why we should follow a suffering Christ, a suffering Messiah, a suffering Savior. Because He will come again. The Bible is clear on it. He will come again in power and glory. Riding on the clouds to judge the world. That's God's promise. We're not serving a dead Savior. No, He raised back to life. We're not serving a a, a Messiah that has no power. No, He is glorious and powerful. We're not serving a Christ who has forgotten us no jesus remembers his people that's why we serve jesus he's the only treasure worth having the most valuable of all he saves your soul in computer games you can sometimes you can buy an extra life and if you only have one not one life, normally it's worth selling every everything you have in the game to get that extra life. Jesus is way way better than any computer game's extra life. His life is eternal life in bliss and joy and glory in paradise with our Savior with our Creator, who loves us more than we can possibly imagine. That's our promise. That's what we're pursuing. That is our treasure. That's the treasure we're keeping our eyes fixed on. When other things look good, we go, no, that's our treasure. That's why we live for Jesus. Because He's the only treasure in the world worth having. So in conclusion, pursue the the, the only treasure that will last. Pursue Jesus. He is a, a good and a kind and a loving king. He says in Matthew 11 verse 30, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He adopts us into his family as brothers and sisters. A loving relationship. He came to earth, giving up, giving up, heaven where he was worshipped by everyone he came to earth to fight and war and have victory over sin and death for us count any suffering that that you might have as nothing because in light of what, what we are gaining your sufferings they truly are in light of that they're nothing hardly even annoyances we can even say, oh, I'm a little bit like my Savior. I'm a little bit like Jesus. I too am suffering. If you are following Jesus, but you're wavering, you're going, ah, is it really worth serving Jesus in your life at the moment? Remember that He is. Keep your eyes on the treasure. And Finally, if you're not currently living as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, if you're living as if you were ashamed of Him, then you need to change, friend. You need to to bend the knee, you need to take up your cross and follow Him. It is truly worth it. If you aren't serving Jesus, please speak to someone after the service. Speak to myself or or Eugene, um, the, the, the elder for this morning. Speak to a friend you came with. We would love to speak with you. Jesus is the treasure worth having. What an amazing gift God has given us. We have much reason to celebrate, friends. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what Jesus has done for us. We thank you that he came to solve our biggest problem. The biggest problems that we have, the problems of sin and the problem of death problem of our separation from you. We thank you that he is an amazing Christ, an amazing Messiah, an amazing Savior. We thank you for your love and your kindness towards us. We freely admit we we don't deserve it, but we are very grateful, Father. We ask that you will help us to keep our eyes fixed on, on the true, the lasting, and the best treasure when other things begin to, to look good, when they tempt us. We, we pray that you will remind us of the treasure that we have in Jesus. Help us to live our whole lives with our eyes fixed on the treasure worth having. We ask that you will help us to remember that always and to have joy and to, to prize that. To rejoice. In Jesus' name, Amen.